so i believe to really meet the aspirations of quality of life of people as they move to the cities the ability to give them governance which is transparent accessible accountable is extremely important but that gets them to buy into uh, you know what a city means for them Hi, I am Viraj Tyagi. I am CEO at Ega Foundation and you're listening to Understanding the Future podcast. Hello everyone. I am Puneet Gandhi, Senior Associate with the Climate Center for Cities at the National Institute of Urban Affairs and welcome to the season 3 of Understanding the Future podcast. I have been working and studying in the field of sustainability and climate change for more than 8 years and I have realized that I have a lot of questions on how we can build cities in India that are more climate focused. With understanding the future podcast, I interact with experts, entrepreneurs and government officials to understand what it takes to bring all the different solutions to the ground as well as how can systemic changes be developed on ground. We will further anchor all the topics being discussed with different skill sets required. This will help us understand the future of cities and future of work in Indian context. If you are tuning in for the first time, do check out our previous episodes. Also, don't forget to check out the Climate Practitioners India Network, a members-led solutions-oriented platform for climate practitioners across India. And join it through the show notes. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the season 3 of Understanding the Future. I am your host Punit Gandhi, Senior Associate with the Climate Center for Cities. And today we have with us Mr. Viraj Tyagi. He is the CEO of Ega Foundation and today he will help us understand the topic of digitizing municipal services. Welcome to the show Viraj. Thank you. Great to be here. Uh we are glad that you could uh, come to our show and uh, I think the first question I would like to start off with why is digitization so important especially with such a big system which is so diverse uh, how how are we even thinking about something like this no i, I think when you look at cities as a whole uh, uh, cities are truly the engines of india's growth you know i think uh, 70% plus of gdp comes from the cities every minute every 2 minutes a person moves into the cities and the rate of growth i live in bangalore and i've seen it no change over the last 30 years you know, from a city town to a you know, bustling metro with all the opportunities which are there so cities truly are an engine of india's growth and aspirations in in a lot of ways and i guess when such a big mass of humanity is moving into these cities the availability of basic services amenities and ability to kind of connect with the local governance is very important otherwise you know if you're not able to govern it well then you'll have frustrations building up will have you know uh, people will not be happy with how things are being dealt with so i believe to really meet the aspirations of quality of life of people as they move to the cities the ability to give them governance which is transparent accessible accountable is extremely important but that gets them to buy into uh, you know what a city means for them so so that is a meta of a point from a governance and service delivery point of view that it should be easy for me to pay my taxes it should be easy for me to get my street cleaned up it should be easy for me to get a new water connection it should be easy for if i'm a trader 
it should be frictionless and and i think so for that to happen at scale and like you said with the complexity which india has right if you rely on the traditional ways of let's build a software for you know for saranpur and build a software for asansol and build a software for jaipur yeah. it is very hard right and we have seen that if you use digital technologies to deliver service at scale what happens you know flipkart can deliver now in mobile towns right yeah. you know when people did not even have a trust buying stuff from you know dealers face to face to me what uh, what digitalization does is it gives a trusted kind of a interaction mechanism between government and the citizens to deliver and consume services it takes a lot of friction out of the day to day people are they say who will go to the government office i have to stand in the queue it take fires to get a simple form i have to go, go three times and this is a kind of change you want to bring uh, and now people are used to it given what they have seen from the from the banks and from the e-commerce that this is possible that you can in a digitized economy deliver frictionless services in no matter which channel it is whether you go to the counter or you do it on your phone but the same service is available to you in a high trust environment that you know that your you know issue is being addressed and you know what you need to take there you know it will be done in so many days and if it is not done you get a some kind of information that it is not being done for some reason yeah. so that is why i feel to really provide a environment in a city where people feel included and listened to and get the service they need uh, digitization is very important digital services are very important No, I, I I absolutely agree, and I I like the point that you raise that uh, it's important to even acknowledge that if it is not happening, why it is not happening? Because I think that is where the transparency kind of lies. Uh, that at least the other person can also understand why, what is the hassle, why is it taking long or short or whatever the problem may be. Uh, so let's try uh, also help us understand uh, what kind of services are we talking about when we're talking about. municipal services what all things are we trying to encompass in the digitization uh capital yeah i think i think also uh, just before i finish this point is one point sure. also from a city managers point of view people who run cities whether you are a municipal commissioner or you are a acs or whatever yeah. i think having a unified view of what is happening in my city is very important and half the time the struggle is you don't know which are the black spots in my You you realize when the newspaper comes to you, oh, this is yeah. what is happening. This, yeah. Or how much revenue you have collected, which wards are doing better, which are doing worse, which departments are delivering better services, right? And that is usually, you know, the lack of data and lack of what I call uh, uh, custody of ch- chain of custody leads to a lot of mistrust on data in the system. Yeah. Okay. That a department reports, you know, how many cases did you resolve? Let's say Excel sheet, people fill up and send. When you use Ola, Ola, Uber. Driver yeah. is not telling you it's coming in four minutes. Yeah. It is the digitized system which is telling you it will take four minutes. So it is a digitized system which sends you the alert that now rate is there. If you have a system where data flows automatically as interactions are happening, the city managers have a very good view of okay. I realize now this is a low-lying area. There's always a mosquito menace here. Can I do something systematically to fix it rather than waiting for the next dengue outbreak? So I think that's the supply side of the equation. First part I said was the demand side. Now coming to what you were saying, uh, what municipal services we are talking about. So the uh, bouquet of services. So the four categories mainly. One is 
applying for things, whether you're applying for a new building permit, whether you're applying for a trade license, whether you're applying for a hawker license, whether you're applying for uh, a new water connection. So, so there are those services that, you know, 1250 of those services. Then there are payments that you need to make as taxes, you know, property tax, your water service charges, uh, you have to pay uh, some kind of alteration charges when you change your property. All those, all the payments kind of come into that category. Third is information. I think information, like you said, information is very critical. People need to know what is where, right? Yeah. So knowing where is my nearest vaccination center, you know, where is my nearest public health PHC, you know, who's my contact point for, you know, uh, sanitation issues in my area, right? So having this information is very important. And the fourth is resolution, which is saying, if, if I have a problem, how do I get resolved? Where can, where can I complain? Where can I have a redressal to my grievances? So I think there are from, you know, uh, about 30, 35 services that are there, uh, which, which are kind of, uh, uh, which kind of fall in the ambit of uh, municipal services. Okay. And uh, so when we're talking about this, around how many cities are we talking about who have gone towards digitization or are in the process of going towards the same? I mean, currently, when we look at the work, work we have been doing and now the work we're doing with the NIUA, yeah. I think almost, uh, I would say, 1,000 cities are digitized, right. uh, you know, in, in some manner. Uh, and another couple of thousands are on the way to on the way to this path. Okay. And India has about 4,400 cities and towns. And when you say cities, it's not cities like Bombay, but you know, there are small yeah. towns that 10,000, 20,000 population there, Nagar Parishads, Nagar Panchayat, and all those things. I mean, and that's the other power that, uh, you know, internet scale digitalization has that the, the equity of access it is not just the Bombay's and Bangalore's of the world, which can have the same service, but even the smaller towns like, you know, uh, Saranpur or, you know, Saranpur yeah. is not a small town, so, you know, you know or, or let's say Longowal in, in, in yeah. Punjab, but the same service because you're using digital platforms. Okay. No, that's true. And I think internet has been quite a, a forefront in helping us develop such kind of uh, mechanisms as well. To make sure that it can be adopted at the mass state. Uh, but so coming to this point of uh, technology, how is it possible to manage this whole technology? Because now each city is different. How does then each city make sure? Is it a same copy-based approach or is it something that gets uh, translated for each city in a different way? How does that function, the technology part? Yeah, no, that's, that's a constant uh, challenge that uh, you know, how do you account for local diversity? How do you account for, you know, uh, specific things which are applicable to a particular context? So, so I think, uh, uh, there are two ways you can address it. There's a traditional way of addressing it, which is saying for every city, you build a different solution, which is again, from a point of view of scaling and maintaining, you know, it's very hard. You know, some of the states we go to, they give us that there are 27 different logins the employees have. To deliver different services because they came at different points in time at different cities have different systems and all those things so other approaches you say there are common building blocks of doing these services uh, which is what we typically call a platform way of solving that you actually create a common set of building blocks so let's say payment now whether you're paying for your 
electricity bill, water bill, or your property, a payment is basically a transaction of saying, I am, there's a demand on me of this much, I am paying this much, this is the instrument I'm using. And the, uh, the receiver says, oh yeah, I, I see this, this was your demand, okay, this is your what you have paid, I am processing your uh, payment request, oh yes, it is cleared, the payment has come through. And then you, you, now that is a, that process doesn't change, whether you are in Asansol or whether you are in Ahmedabad or whether you are in Bombay, right. Similarly, a request of a, of a public grievance, right, it essentially has to have a, has a, what is a, what is a type of complaint and again you can have general categories, I mean you know broadly what are the 10 most uh, frequent complaints, but you can add that also, that's not an issue. And then once you raise a complaint, a ticket has to be issued, that complaint has to flow to somebody, yeah. the, customer, the citizen needs to know about where it is flown, how much time it will take, and that person does something, it again updates it. Again, that is again a process which is, you can apply to any situation. Yeah. Is a new application of this complaint. Similarly, you apply for something, you need some documents to apply for something, you need some information, it has to go through a workflow. So those things you can configure, whether it goes through a two-step workflow or three-step workflow. But some, if you have this as a building block, you, you can configure. Actually, in Asansol, you know, streetlight is not a big issue, right? And they call it something else. They call it Bhatti Nayari, whatever they call it. Yeah. You can change the label. You can contextualize it so that people understand it. But the building block is still the same. The common infra is still the same. It's a bit like Android, we give example, right? Yeah. Before Android was there as a, you know, uh, platform, application development platform. Everybody used to make their own applications, which will call your video, your recording, this happens. All that is available as a building block from Android. Now, you can put your business logic on top of it. Like, I want to build a calendar application, which looks like this. So, idea here is that only that you absorb a lot of the complexity, which is, which are common across all the services. Yeah. We have about 24 or 25 building blocks of this. Things like authorization. I need to authorize you as a user. Now, that is common, doesn't matter. I need to set yeah. up as, set up as an employee. That yeah. is a common service. So you have common services on top of this. There are some reference applications we have built to show how these common, these building blocks come together to, uh, you know, yeah. uh, as common services. And then we have trained bunch, you know, almost seven, uh, 20 to 30 uh, uh, partners who know how to build or deploy it first. Okay. So, so, so that is how it works. Uh, but the, I think your point is, if, if, if one particular city says, I want my public grievance to look red and blue and green, and it should be called Shikayat Darz, that is absolutely possible. Okay. We call yeah. it a multi-tenanted architecture. We call it a multi-tenanted architecture. Okay. The same, same building may, so that's why we but it is possible okay no that that's pretty uh, then i think important as well as because customization i think is key uh, especially when we look at it from the cultural aspects of each city otherwise they are not going to use it and the adoption quite a lot. Well. And it's multilingual, like for example, we have, it has been done in 12 languages now, the, the, all the all the Chinese in India have this now, 
उस 
So we we should not. I always feel we should not try to impose our sensibilities on what yeah. is right for you. We should give people an option. You can do it on WhatsApp. You can do it on the mobile app. You can yeah. do it on the mobile phone. You can do it in the in the and the experience is same. Whether you go to the office or you call, you'll get the same SMS. You'll get the same workflow activated. And that is how we should look at it. To meet people where they are, not bring them to where you think they should be. Yeah, because we are nobody. Nobody will decide where they should be. They will decide themselves. So coming back, even now in a state like Andhra Pradesh, also which is a very advanced state, yeah. you see, fifty percent of transactions still people go to the counter and do it. Okay, right. But can you make that faster? Even the counter experience. Oh, right. If they were so, if they were doing, you know. Three transactions in five minutes. Can you make that ten transactions in five minutes on the counter? Mm-hmm. So, so I feel one of the biggest success of digitalization is actually taking the drudgery out of employees' lives and making them enter the twenty-first century as as workers. Rather than, अरे मेरा मेरे को पिछले साल की रसीद चाहिए. They'll go back, go through the files and bring the receipt versus just search there with the mobile number and say, अच्छा आपकी रसीद ये रही. Yeah. So. So I think uh, so. I believe to answer your question, it should be left to the. We should not be prescriptive about that. He has to use the mobile. If he wants to call and update, that's also fine. And lot of people do that. You know, most municipalities actually have one person who operates the computer. Smaller municipality, right? Yeah. Everybody comes and says, "My yeah. 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 transaction, I'll put it." It is okay. I don't think there's a problem with that. As long as they're entering all the transactions. Yeah. Yeah, and that is that is where somewhere I feel capacity is something that at least that one person should also be aware of all the different things possible, and uh, that kind of puts the onus on that one person that okay, how does that, uh, how can that be streamlined to the maximum extent? Uh, because I think one of the important uh, problems that we are trying to solve is move from paper to paperless, which yes. makes it easier, but it's still a lot of process then that gets involved. The whole uh, way. I think what what we've seen, Puneet, is from a capacity point of view, simplification is very important. You have to make it so simple. I mean, everybody uses WhatsApp. Yeah. Everybody uses Paytm. So the challenge is to make it very simple. Ask for as minimal information as you need. Make the screens very simple. Trying to follow design patterns that they are used to. Don't give. Don't ask me to jump through hoops. First, have password. Then enter the password. Then some, you know, some will come. Enter there is a water pump and stuff like that. It's a simple OTP-based login every time. People yeah. are used to that, right? Yeah. And the screens are very, very simple, and not more than four screens in one flow. So you know what what we find is we simplify it. People use it because people are getting used to, you know. Uh, but it's their choice. They can still say, I, I, I still want to come to the office. That's great. And you just mentioned uh, coming to the four screen part. Has there been some kind of A/B testing done on these things uh, to figure yeah, out? We have, we have, we have, we have. So we used to have a pretty. Uh, we have tried various options of uh, UX and UI. Okay. Uh, and uh, initially, we used the material design framework from Google. Okay. And then uh, we learned about this. Uh, uh, Government of UK had done a simple. They've done all their services in a very very simple. And it's a big success story. Yeah. So we actually got a designer to look at, and then we tested both the approaches on 
ease of understanding, ease of navigation. And we definitely found is basically the government of UK approaches one screen has just one information. There's no story. You just click on that, you move name, oh, wow. just click name, right? It's very simple, right? Yeah. And every every screen has a help icon. You can ask for help wherever you want. It's not that you have to scroll up and do multiple yeah. things. So, yeah. so I think that's what uh, that's the new uh, UX we just launched in a, for a rural program in the in, in Punjab. And I was very happy to see that the 65 year old uh, pump operator Sukhdev Singh. Yeah, and he's collecting uh, all all the he's doing all the bill collection for seventy houses in his uh, village called Mindwa. And he's super happy that I can use it. So, nice. Yeah, that's absolutely great because I think this is what the comfort weather also trying to create something. Uh, so coming to the point where we uh, kind of take a turn and try to understand now, what are the different kind of challenges that you face in this whole ecosystem? What are some things which have been solved, which are still to be solved. What are some of those challenges? Yeah, I think uh, the three categories of challenges. I think first is, I find most of the challenges are actually programmatic. They're not technology challenges. So I think uh, the design of the programs in terms of how do you think about change management, how do you think about standardizing without centralizing right so you know how do you think about what is sufficient data for a like for because tendency is to ask for everything yeah we need your birth certificate we need your this we need your this keep how do you simplify some of these things so i find a lot of the challenges are actually in design if you just digitize the existing process as is chances are it will not succeed because the pain points will just move from physical to digital. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so that is definitely one uh, in my mind. Second is, I think uh, we need to understand any change management needs to have strong positive motivation. I just feel sometimes uh, we use digitization as almost like a tool to, uh, as a control tool. I mean, that's how it is perceived by a frontline employee. Here is another application that I need to, you should watch me in terms of what I'm doing. Yeah. So I think, I feel the narrative around that it takes drudgery out of your work, narrative around how does it help you to do your job better. And believe you me, we do a net promoter score survey every year in the yeah. states we are in. Uh, and say it's done by 30, uh, 60 decibels, say international agency. And actually, the employee net promoter scores are higher, yeah. like almost at, like forty-five plus, forty plus employee net promoter score. Yeah, because when they start using it, they realize how easy their work is. So I think the change management with a the positive kind of a motivation of employees is another kind of challenge that uh, we found. Right? Third challenge is really around uh, the interdepartment coordination. In, in, in the government, right? If you need yeah. uh, data from multiple sources, that, that, that creates its own problems. And yeah. fourth is obviously capacity is a challenge in whatever you do, uh, whether it's the capacity of the government to procure the right partner, capacity of the government to appoint the right nodal officers, is ultimately, you know, uh, unless you have on ground usage of digital tools, is not going to lead to the result. I think that's the, that's the fourth challenge. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's 
quite inclusive and I, I, I do think that designing is something that can cater to some of these things for sure. Uh, but eventually that is something that even in general, India needs in a much better way to move forward. It's, it's a very inherent thing that we don't realize and uh, squat it off. But uh, I think that's... You only have to see how high the bars on the bus to hold are in India. Yeah. You know, some public buses, the bars are so high that who's, who's, who's six foot to wear? Right? <laughs> yeah, it's built for me, but no one else. <laughs> I, I, or even the, they started building ramps now. Yeah. And it's impossible to get a wheelchair up those ramps. I was, I was with a friend on the wheelchair. I said, how do I get you on this ramp? <laughs> yeah. Degrees. <laughs> no, I, I agree. It's, it's a, that's the thing. Like While you're designing and you're making sure that there is access to things, but is it designed well enough is another question that always crops up. Uh, that that is something that we really do need to take care and bring in more design schools somewhere. I think. Uh, yeah. So coming to the city level of conversations now, if you are going to a city and trying to pitch for this services, uh, what all things do cities need to keep in mind while they are uh, helping you? Out? What are the things that they can do or you can help them do so that they have a smoother transition towards? I think most important thing in my mind is cities need to have a almost like a dedicated SWAT team which looks at this. Wherever we've seen success, we've seen this kind of a structure where there's one person looking at all the revenue, one person looking at all the so some kind of a you know creating committees or subcommittees saying this committee will look after property tax, this committee will look after citizen engagement. So you actually have some mobilization of energy and resources to manage the change when it lands there and also guide design and custom what needs to be customized because a lot of time what happens is different people have different information. So I think creating of those what what we call committees or or subgroups is a very important thing. And that is something only cities can do. Nobody else can do for them. They will and that what are you saying earlier, no? I mean, they will know what design will work, what will not work. Yeah. Whether seven categories of complaints will work or ten will work, they will know. So, so that is that is one. Second is, other thing they need to kind of be very, very uh, mindful of is that just having services digitized is not good enough. The communication of that, the adoption, driving adoption, the citizens. Now, again, some of the best cities we have seen is when people come on the counter also, they say, okay, hang on, you come today. But, you know, by the way, you can do it on the phone also. Come here, I'll show you how to do it on the phone. Yeah. Right? So that kind of a, kind of a, that kind of a, you know, orientation and adoption yeah. is extremely, again, this is something only a, you know, uh, executive officer sitting in a municipality can do. You know, you can send how many people from, from your, Vendor or we can go, but people listen to. I mean, unless he or she does it, he's not yeah. going to move. Okay, so somehow it makes it more uh, top heavy in the cities as well to be able to drive these things. Eh? It is. This is the reality. Which, which is because somewhere we are trying to bring decentralization over here. I feel, and then still it is top heavy. It is very 
big conundrum in itself. Although I think when you form those committees, we see that they can lob their revenue officers and everybody in those committees. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But I think uh, from man- from a creating a mandate perspective, yeah, uh, that is initial push is needed from the top. I think there's no two ways about it. And uh, so then coming to the parts where you did mention before that interdepartmental conversation that already used cars and especially something like electricity and ULB are not going to talk electricity department and ULBs. In this case scenario, like how can that be bridged between at the city level? Uh, how can those uh, silos be broken with this kind of digitization? Yeah, I think so. There are institutional silos in which digitalization cannot do anything. So I think those are those need to be broken at an institutional level. But definitely, from a point of view of the benefits, for example, we done some work in Punjab before this is not Punjab or Andhra where we looked at type of electricity connection and type of residence. Yeah, okay. and we found huge revenue leakage that there were you know commercial. Uh, properties which were have which have a you know a domestic electricity connection and vice versa. So there is definitely benefit, and that's the kind of benefit we can show. Yeah. If you digitize it, you have one view of the property. You can see what are the different amenities being used by the property. Yeah. But to really, I, I guess, uh, to break those uh, silos, it has to be a institutional mechanism, and uh, I'm not sure I'm the expert on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it, uh, I, I do agree. It's, it's a complicated uh, thing for sure, and so there is no two ways about it. Uh, but somewhere, I think there is a requirement of. Uh, so, I think one of the biggest examples that always comes up is on the lines of that you collect all taxes on just one number, or maybe your Aadhaar card or PAN card, and so those things are connected, and that interconnection can help you bring out a lot of leakages. How is that possible in Indian terms because of the interdepartmental side? How can that be achieved is something I think would be a larger question. Well, I think once, if, if the institutional policy change happens, yeah. I'll give you another example. In, in Andhra Pradesh, the property revenue department and the, and the water utility, they decided that they will do a consolidated bill. So it's like an Airtel bill which has your landline, your cable and everything. Right? They used to issue four, eight bills a year on water and separates and two bills on property. We did a one, so because they did that kind of a reform from a policy point of view, so we yeah. could issue a consolidated bill, one bill for a property that this is your empty land tax, this is your commercial property tax, this is your water tax, this is your sewage tax. You pay together, you get 10% discount, you pay it separately. And that was a huge success because what used to happen was, you know, if property tax is 5,000 rupees, water bill is only 300 rupees, you will not pay and they'll keep, you know, that's a perennial problem. But because it was clubbed into something, suddenly their water tax collection went up humongously. And obviously they saved paper and all those good things what citizens have. So I think technology can be enabled to do reforms at scale. Yeah, that, that's quite interesting. And uh, so I'll, I'll come to the question where we try to, okay, like this is a vast field. This is something which is yes. 
not consolidated to like one or two departments that we are talking about fields as well. So uh, I will not just say the hard skills, but even online the soft skills. What are the important things or uh, skills required to be able to work in this field uh, of digitizing municipal services? Okay, I think the first skill is a lot of humility. You need to go with a you know, lot of people who work in technology. Yeah, they live in a at times. One of the soft skills you need is a humility. Second is you need to be very very. Uh, you need some principles to guide you by. Okay, you just you don't you just don't have to build the most sexy solution, but you have to build something which works for people and needs them. So I think this whole notion of equity, access, it needs to be built in that don't do something which is funky but only 5% of people. I mean, you need to start with your lowest common denominator and say, okay, how do I build for that person? Right? You yeah. keep saying, build for half a billion. So that's a need to come with. Right? Don't think about how funky my product is. Okay? You should be tested by how accessible and how easy it is. Yeah. And third is, I think you need to be also I feel uh, you need to define problems very sharply because a lot of times I find uh, defining the so it's not problem solving skills per se it is really your ability to do a bit of ethnography bit of design and bit of you know uh, you know hard nosed you know, curiosity yeah why do you want to do this why do you need five Five different proofs of ID. Just yeah. because then you need to. So I think this whole thing about listening to people first and then getting into remap. Because you know, government has worked in certain, and everybody is not just government. If you if you set in your ways, you see what is it? Why do you? So you know, but first you have to listen very hard, understand, and then be hard nosed about it, and say there's another way of doing it. So this whole idea of exciting people about new ideas. Helping them think through what else yeah. is possible. An important thing. Don't yeah. just say we're here to tell your stuff. That's not exciting. Man. True, true, true. No, that's, those are quite interesting points. Uh, and uh, if you can also give a brief about what are the different hard skills that are required in this field. So, I mean, obviously, you need to be a, uh, you need to understand urban as a domain at a broad level, right? Uh, what does municipality do? What are the various ways of calculating property tax? What are the various ways? What are all those things you need to understand pretty well? And then I'm not saying you need to be kind of need to know by heart, but you should know what the various kind of constituent parts of these service delivery is. Right? So that that's one. Yeah. Second is you should understand technology to the extent that how does it enable you know accessible, equitable, transparent services. That's, that's it. I think you should understand what does the open API mean. Not from point of view of code. I'm I've never coded in my life. Okay. But you should be able to understand what role it plays and how it works. Then some of the latest thinking about what I said, understanding how public goods work. I think this the new thinking is around all public goods, right? That you know, Google Map is not a public good. It is actually vulgar. Right? You can only do something. The way, you know, for example, definitely we have built digit is it's actually a public good. You can, it's accessible to all. So understanding that thinking, developmental thinking on why this is important, 
for this sector to have this approach, I think is a very important thing in my life. And then you need to know things like all the program management, project management, those are yeah. those programs. Stakeholder management, you know, that's it. Kind of a soft and a hard skill. No, I, I, I think stakeholder uh, management is generally one of the biggest ones in, in governmental services that you are dealing with. Anyway, in life also. <laughs> true, true, true. Uh, this this was pretty great. I, if, if you think I have missed out on any points that you would like to cover or give any anecdotes that you feel audience should know about, I think uh, we can wrap it up on that. No, as I said, again, I think the only uh, anecdote I want to give is I met this girl called Antalakshmi. Uh, name changed because of, yeah. you know, it was my best day at Eagle like five years ago. It's a hot afternoon yeah. in Andhra Pradesh. Uh, it's a small town, Yellow uh, 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 like uh, she, uh, she works as a, uh, as a social worker in a uh, slum kind of area, and she's standing next to the uh, open drain. Uh, and just, I said, Have you heard of this application called uh, Pura Seva, which is the name of the app? And she said, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I use it. And she pulled her phone out and said, Actually, three days ago, this drain was blocked, it was overflowing, and I complained on this. And I put that last year there was a dengue because of this, and two people died in the locality. So within 10 minutes, the commissioner called me. Yeah. And the details for me and said, this will be fixed. And he called me again eight hours later saying, this is fixed or not. Because she yeah. raised the complaint map. Yeah. And she said, you know, it was done in eight hours. And I said, oh, okay. This does, I mean, those are the kind of things which actually, you know, make you hopeful about, you know, how it has, you know, that person who's working as social work in a, in a slum has a yeah. voice to see how a commissioner is kind of, orchestrating his or her resources. And the commissioner has a way of seeing what is happening in his city. True. So that's how, you know, once, once that, that trust that builds with the, between the, uh, the administrators and the, and the community, that, that's very powerful. And what we saw interestingly, Puneet in Andhra Pradesh is when this public grievance system, system went in, in 2015, yeah. there's 15 to 20,000 complaints a year in the, in the state. Yeah. But the system was, so transparent and so easy to use for everybody. Yeah. So then, two years time, the complaints went to one lakh ten thousand. Not because there were more complaints, but because people had more trust that something will be done. So it's like a way of engagement. Actually, people are participate. Yeah. So that's very interesting how it can change the, you know, the, the the nature of their interactions and how people interact with each other. So that's very very powerful in that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think. Uh, this can be a new way of a participatory approach with the local bodies as well, which we have not yet explored. Thank you so much. This was absolutely amazing talking to you and learn a lot, many more things about what municipal services can be done, how can they be done. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. Do subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and follow us on all social media channels. For more details about the Climate Center for Cities and registration on Climate Practitioners India Network, click on the link in the show notes. The episode is conceptualized and produced by Punit Gandhi. 
A big thank you to the whole team at C-Cube and NIUA for supporting the development of the podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode.